following is a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network. Behind every memorable moment and career highlight on the diamond. And the Twins are baseball's world champions. Number 500 for Ham Killebrew. Francisco Lariato has pitched a no-hitter. Gone! A walk-off for Chanel! And the Twins win it! Are the true gems. The inside stories and tales. I had zero idea what was going on. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm starting game one. Like, what is happening? Honestly, and it ended up being cooler that I hit a third triple than hitting a grand slam. But at the moment, I was mad that it wasn't a grand slam. I went into the seventh inning, and it got broken up by Joe hitting a single. We'll call it a very loose single. And you'll find those candid, casual conversations here on the Twins Clubhouse Podcast. Now, here's Chris Atterbury. Well, welcome once again inside the doors of the Twins Clubhouse, brought to you today by Securian Financial, who can help you make every moment count. Find out more about their insurance, investment, and retirement solutions at Securian.com. And we are very excited in the Twins Clubhouse today to welcome in a uh, a Twins legend, Mr. Joe Maurer, joining us uh, from his second career as a uh, remote learning elementary school teacher. Uh, Joe, how you doing? Are you, you're about the tallest, most athletic kindergarten teacher in the Metro right now. <laughs> yeah, we're uh, we're doing all right. We're doing all right. They, uh, I got one of the kids down for nap, and the other two are, are having lunch, so this is, this is great timing. I appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, we're excited to, to hear from you. Glad that all is well, and, and with your family being so big and Maddie's family being so big and close, are you guys kind of doing the, the shelter-in-place as a group? Are you able to see one another? How are you guys staying uh, connected and sane through all this? Yeah, you know, we we're both come from big families, and, um, you know, uh, we all live close to each other, but uh, we're, we're trying to practice as best we can. We're, um, you know, our girls are, are missing their cousins and uh, grandparents and aunts and uncles but um you know we're trying to to do as best we can to uh to do our part this this whole thing well that is good to hear good to hear everybody is healthy and safe and uh as folks who've been listening to the program are are aware we take a little bit of a trip down memory lane here and you heard in the billboard some of your former teammates i think we had Dunsing and denard in there and then jaco to rizzi uh, talking about uh, you as an opponent. Uh, so we're going to add you to that list today with some of the big moments of what was obviously a, a glorious career. But one of the fun things for me is as we dig around trying to find these moments, some things you you never even realized. And with you, I, I knew you, you didn't spend much time in the minor leagues, Joe. I didn't realize, and it was always right there to look up, I didn't realize that when you jumped right into professional baseball, you did it by coolly hitting 400 your first season of pro ball uh, you and tony oliva i guess huh? you went down to e-town which can be a big jump from high school to pro ball and uh, apparently it wasn't such a jump with the pitching because uh, you made the transition look pretty easy well it, it's funny you say that chris because i went uh well first off i got to clarify i only played a month and a half but um <laughs> it was a good month and a half and it was funny i mean i i was playing and competing and you know enjoying the the competition but I was a little down on myself as I thought I was, I wasn't performing as well as I could have, you know, you, you go from hitting in high school, uh, I think I hit around five, 600 and then went to 400. I was taking a dip, but, uh, now looking <laughs> back on it, it's just, uh, well, I mean, great memories and, uh, what a, what a first year to start off uh, my career. How big of a boost was it to have Jake on that team? Oh, it was huge. It was huge. You know, um, coming right out of high school and, and signing, um, professionally and, you know, things happen really quickly. I remember I signed the piece of paper the next morning. I was on a flight, and I find myself in Elizabeth in Tennessee. And, 
you know, you're trying to find a place to live. You're trying to meet your new teammates and coaches and, and then trying to compete, you know, in professional ball, you know, later that night, but uh, having my older brother there and, you know, he had signed uh, a little bit earlier than I had and kind of had to lay it in the land and, you know, was able to, to help me guide through um, some of those uh, firsts, you know, if you will, with uh, meeting some of the guys and, and just getting acclimated and getting ready to, to play baseball. And what a place to have those first. And with all of the speculation about the future of some of the markets around minor league baseball, Elizabethan, Tennessee has always been a jewel in the twin system going back to, to Kirby and Herbeck and beyond that. And, and, and you passed through. And I know for all of you who have played there, unlike most minor league parks where people can't wait to get out of there, there's something about that place, Joe, that seems to connect you all. What What is it? Have you been able to put your finger on it all these years later about what made that particular place such a, a special environment? You know what? It, it reminded me a lot of home. And, and when I say this, it's uh, it reminded me of town ball, you know, our mm. town ball scene here. Um, I remember getting down there in, in the stadium there in Elizabeth, and it reminded me a lot of uh, Beesville. <laughs> Beesville Mudheads <laughs> down there. and um, before I, I signed professionally, I, I played in that senior men's, uh, wood bat league and, um, was able to experience some of those parks, you know, around Minnesota and, and Meesville comes to mind right away. But, um, it, it had that atmosphere. I mean, it was baseball, it was small town and, um, just, uh, there's a lot of things going on, but, um, you know, people were just out there enjoying an evening and enjoying baseball. And, um, like I said, having my older brother there and, um, going to Elizabeth and I mean, it was really the perfect setting for me and. You know, we, we joined a host family down there, uh, Miss Jane, and, you know, she had uh, myself and my brother and, and three of our other teammates in her house. And I mean, like I said, it was just the perfect way to start off a career. And then you rock it through the next two years, uh, a full season minor league ball. The, the one thing that jumps out to me, and we have talked about this before, was you were involved in one of the scariest minor league brawls uh, in a long, long time when you were in Quad Cities. Yeah, yeah, that... Uh... And I think that was probably the uh, – it set a record for attendance, too. Um, there at uh, – I think it was Joe Bryan Stadium uh, down there in Cedar Rapids – or Cedar Rapids, down there in Quad City. And uh, I remember my parents drove down for that game. and We're playing the uh, the Cardinals affiliate, uh, Peoria. And uh, they had, like, guys like Yadier Molina and uh, Dan Heron. And, you know, they had some uh, – Chris Duncan. You know, they had some really good players and – I think both of our teams were one and two in, in the in the division and things escalated and, you know, you're 19, 20, you know, 20 years old running around and not really understanding, um, you know, how the game's played and, and I guess disrespecting the other team and all sorts of things, tempers <laughs> are flaring and it just was, uh, it was an unfortunate uh, incident, that's for sure. Well, you got you got scurried out of the harm's way, which was good, and uh, survived it unscathed. And then we fast forward. Well, yeah, it was funny too because I had, I was catching, and uh, my brother Jake I think was playing uh, third base, and um, <laughs> so we kind of got out there, and you know I think Jake's older brother instincts uh, kicked in. He was trying to push me away from all the chaos, but it was it was crazy. You know, we're just trying to protect yourselves and, and your teammates, and uh, like I said, it was an unfortunate uh, incident. Well, it was, uh, again, part of a, a very short time in the minor leagues, and we fast-forward then to your debut against Cleveland. You get a couple of hits, and suddenly it's like, wow, this this major league stuff doesn't seem all that hard, and you go one for one the next day, so you're three for your first four before the injury, Joe, and 
just emotionally, the first two games, uh, I know has been talked about a lot. Your family is there. You're in your hometown. What about just the competition level of it, though? Just being as young as you were and finding success, you know, three knocks in your first four plate appearances, not too bad. Yeah, I mean, it was crazy, you know, at uh, opening day for me being a Minnesota kid, growing up here and going to Twins games uh, for as long as I can remember at the Metrodome. And all of a sudden you're 20 years old and you find uh, find yourself on opening day with, you know, close to 60,000 people screaming. And you hear that same thing, uh, you know, over the loudspeaker, here's your Minnesota Twins, and, and you're actually running out of the field. I mean, it's it's pretty, pretty surreal. And um, yeah, I remember... Uh, running out there and Brad Rackey was our opening day starter. And I'd watched Brad, you know, pitch for years uh, before I was even with the twins. And um, I was just worried about getting that first pitch warm up pitch back to him, <laughs> you know, like uh, <laughs> he didn't have to move too much on the mound or throw it over his head. Once I uh, got, uh, got that first one back to him, uh, you know, I started to feel a lot more at home, but you know, then you look across the dugout, you're facing a, a young CC Sabathia um, throwing about 100 miles an hour and not the greatest control. So, um, you know, I had that to deal with as well. But, um, you know, looking back on it now and, you know, to get off to a good start, you know, like you said, that first game and, um, you know, was was really uh, a dream come true. Yeah, a fun indoctrination for a lefty against CC uh, back yeah. in the day. That's uh, there's a lot easier ways you could have gotten into it. You get your first knock against Betancourt, uh, and then obviously you have the the knee issue, and you're out for a while. You rehab, and to me, what's amazing is uh, we're going to play your first hit after returning after being gone over a month. This was your your first hit when you returned to the big leagues. There's a pitch, high drive, deep right center field, way back. Way back. Hello. And Joe Maurer, touch them all. Hello. First major league home run, and the Twins have the lead at 6-3. to three. So, first of all, flair for the dramatic there, Joe. Uh, yeah. You break a 3-3 tie. Do you remember who you hit it off? Uh, Esteban Yan. <laughs> and what's, what's um, with you, know, you pulling funny. the ball? You remember, what's that? What's with you pulling the ball? Yeah, well, you know, I do pull the ball sometimes. <laughs> um, but... Um, you know, it's funny, you know, like you said, you remember a lot of things in your career and you're know, hitting your first home run. You, you definitely kind of remember, you know, the scene. And I remember it was later in the game, like you said, and just, um, you know, I think it was a um, to go ahead or yep. you know, probably to break a tie, I think it was. But, you know, to help your team in that situation and, and coming back, you know, especially after, you know, the first really, you know, time in my career where I was ever hurt. You know, I never missed any time. uh really in any of the sports that I played and to come back and do that and to help your team right off the gate was, was awesome. And, um, I remember my teammates being really, uh, really excited for me as well. Yeah. You guys, that made it six, three, you hold on and win it six, five. Uh, did you get the ball back? Yeah. You know, so in right center field, I hit it right off the press, uh, the football press box. Mm. So it came back onto the, uh, onto the playing surface. And I remember they threw it through the ball in. And, um, I remember, um, you know, Rodney McCormick is now our, our um, head uh, clubhouse manager. He was trying to figure out how to get that first, uh, you know, home run back, and he said he made his job really easy for him. So I'm glad that we were able to do that, and, uh, you know, I still have that ball to this day. Now, that was home run number one as you were off and running, and now we'll fast forward uh, to what was obviously a, an incredible year in 2006, and here's how it finished. The pitch, Brown with a ground ball to Nathan. He stabs it. 
flips it to first, game over, on to the playoffs for the Minnesota Twins, celebrating a playoff berth in this 2006 season. What a run by the Minnesota Twins. Joe, you could do a, hours and hours of, of the show just on that season between your batting title, the first for you, Justin's MVP, the the amazing second half, the lap around the Metrodome after the, mm-hmm. the other game finished up. Uh, how do you coalesce what was just a crazy season? Uh, now well, that yeah, you, back you forgot Johan Santana when oh. Cy Young. <laughs> yeah. you know, it's just so many things and, and hearing, you know, what, first of all, it's, it's great to hear John Gordon's voice um, <laughs> on these replays. He, uh, you know, like I said, I, I got to hear him as a kid and saying touch them all and, and just his his presence. I mean, it just brings a smile to my face to, to hear his voice. But, you know, back there in 2006, that last day of the season, you know, um, trying to, uh, you know, finish off the batting title race. And, you know, we were trying to, you know, get to home field advantage, I think, in, in the postseason. Um, Brad Radke's probably his last year. I mean, there's just so many things going into that last day. And, um, to finish it off with the win and and head, head into the postseason was was pretty amazing. And what a time it was here in the Twin Cities with how electric the place was over what you guys were doing. You had to have Raby get your groceries, right? You were sending Josh in to get your, your food after games? <laughs> you know, it's funny. We um, At the time, I had a, a townhome in St. Paul, and, um, you know, I was just 2006. That was my second, third year in the league, and, I remember a lot of my buddies were September call-ups, you know, that I played through in the minor leagues. And one of them was Josh Raby. I think Bartlett was even called up that, that year. And, um, it's just, uh, it was funny. I, I kind of had a townhome full, full of teammates, <laughs> you know, with the uh, Morno, obviously he was living with me and we had a good time, but, um, yeah, it, it's fun to, to reminisce about those, uh, those years because, um, those are great years. And you mentioned catching Johan, but you two out of every five days were catching Johan and Francisco Liriano at his absolute peak of nastiness. I mean, that you couldn't take a moment off behind the dish. You know, it, that was such a pleasure to watch those two go that summer. Um, you know, Johan won the Cy Young and, and very deservedly so. But, um, you know, I think everybody in the clubhouse, too, are like, well, geez, uh, if Liriano had started the season with us, that would have been a heck of a race, you know, because mm-hmm. he came up about a month and a half later. And, you know, we, we felt so good when we gave the ball to those guys. We're like, all right, we just need to get one or two runs and we're going to win this game. You know, they were just dominant. And um, I think they fed off of each other. And um, it was just a, a great um, season, a great chemistry, um, not just with the starting staff, but the whole the whole team. We move on through 07, 08. You win another batting title, uh, the amazing Game 163 in Chicago. We talked with Michael Kadire about that a couple of episodes ago. Uh, and then 2009, between your last at bat of 2008 in that Game 163 and your first at bat of 2009, probably I would guess about as frustrating a period as you had ever had to deal with prior to the concussions that would come later uh, as as you just couldn't quite get your body right heading into 09. What was that like for you in terms of just trying to find answers and, and ways to get yourself right again? Well, yeah, it was tough. Um, you know, really that, that end of the 2008 season, I mean, the last two months I was, you know, kind of hobbling across the finish line there. Um, you know, having problems with my knee, my back, um, a lot of different things going on and 
Um, just finishing off that year, and obviously that game 163 down in Chicago, um, playing in that atmosphere was was amazing. But uh, you know, came up a little short. But um, you know, then it was trying to all right, we got to assess the damage, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. with the, you know, physically for me, and you know, it, it took a while, and it was it was very frustrating because I wanted to get going and um, you know get uh, build off of you know the progress we were making in 2008. We had a young core that was really starting to come into its own and um i remember uh remember setting a date like if i wasn't feeling better by this date then we got to go in and have surgery and this was on my left knee and that date came and uh went in and had to you know go do surgery and i think when they went in there they they saw that it was going to co- probably take a little bit longer so it, it was just a frustrating year but um you know, out of that negative, um, you try to, I always try to look for positives and, um, you know, came back in 2009, missed the first month of the season, but, uh, you ended up being the best year of my career. So, um, you know, sometimes you got to go through those tough times, those dark times to, uh, to enjoy the good ones. At what point before you came back with that first at bat against Ponson, and we'll hear that in a, in a moment, at what point did you, did you know you were ready? Did you know that you, your body was ready to, to, deal with not only the the pounding of day-to-day baseball but being behind the plate and allow you to do all the things that that you needed to do to, to feel good about yourself on a day-to-day basis when did you know well the biggest thing for me was just to get my uh, my legs ready to to catch you know back-to-back games and um you know and like you said through through those tough times you learn a lot um, about yourself your body and um, I think I had a week, uh, maybe six games to get ready before I was back in the big leagues. And, and that's what I told, uh, you know, our trainers, I said, I just need to be able to catch back to back days, you know, and I got to that point, uh, on that sixth game. And, you know, next thing I know, I'm, uh, you know, May 1st, uh, you know, had the best month of my career, but you know, down there, I, I had a lot of, a lot of help and, you know, just uh, just worked uh, my tail off just to try to get back, and um, you know, it was nice to see uh, see it paid off. Right, it paid off right away. This was an bat I don't think any of us will soon forget, including Sir Sidney Ponson. <laughs> Into the line and the two zero delivery. Mauer swings and drives one to left, and it's hit high and deep. Back there, it is gone. Touch them all, Joe Mauer. Wow, what a return for Mauer. That flair for the dramatic again, Joe. And when I talk to your teammates then and even now when it comes up, their response is unilateral. They all say, well, of course he hit a home run. That, that's, yeah. that's what he would do. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it was funny, too. You know, Sidney Ponson on the mound. And, you know, he played with us, uh, you know, the years prior. And, um, you know, knowing him and catching him. And I knew he's had, he was great. He always had a great sinker. And I was like, you know, 2-0, he's not going to give me anything in him. I'm going to look for something out over the plate and, and try to hit it hard. And next thing I know, it's in the seats. So that was uh, that was a good way to, to start off 2009, that's for sure. And you never took your foot off the gas, whether it was defense, whether it was offense. And I want to go to one of my favorite Joe Maurer moments. Uh, and this was in Yankee Stadium uh, in the ninth inning. It, it was May, so still early. You'd only been playing a couple of weeks at this point, Joe, uh, when your instincts took over. I think you know which play we're going we're gonna to queue up here. Yeah. As he checks Gardner, he has a good lead in the pitch. Ground ball off the glove of the uh, pitcher. Played by Maurer. He dumped the ball. Gardner tries to score. He's out. Oh, what a play. 
All right, we got to unpack that because John got a little <laughs> overexcited. <laughs> but the, yeah. the situation was a 2-2 ball game. It was the ninth inning. Now, to tell you what kind of year you were having, in the top of the ninth, you let off with a rope against Mariano Rivera, uh, but were unable to score. So it was still 2-2. And then Jose Mojares was pitching. He walked Nick Swisher. Brett Gardner ran for him. They bunted him to second. And then it was Francisco Cervelli at the plate. Walk us through what happened. Yeah, you know, it's just um... – Knowing the situation, you know, Brett Gardner at that time was probably one of the fastest men in the league. And, um, you know, he's also still pretty fast, still pretty up there right now. Yeah. He's still playing. But, you know, just knowing that uh, base hit, the game's over with, you know. It gets to the outfield. Um, you know, we're walking back into the clubhouse and hitting the shower. So, you know, you just you start thinking about, you know, before – the play what what actually could happen um, did I anticipate that happening no <laughs> but um, <laughs> I knew that uh, you know we had a lot of speed uh, to deal with in Gardner at second and um, you know our guys are just trying to keep the ball um, in the infield and, and try to keep her from scoring so when I saw that ball ricochet off of Mahars' glove I think he behind his back and started rolling towards me and so I went out to get it knowing that home plate was vacated but um, I was thinking in my head as it was happening, I'm going to fake the throw to first and try to see if I can back pick Gardner rounding third. So I, I picked it up and I did a quick fake to um, the first base because, you know, if I would have got him out, it, it didn't matter. You know, Gardner mm-hmm. would have scored easy. So I turned around and he's already like three quarters of the way down, not stopping. So I was like, oh, I'm a little further away from home plate than I thought I was. So it was a bad <laughs> dash to home plate. Um, was able to get him out but um, I think with all the things that were happening at that moment that's that's probably one of my favorite plays of the career of my career just considering in Yankee Stadium um, you know game's over a few scores and um, you know really not another situation that has happened like that um, you know in my career or, or that I've seen so it was it was a pretty cool moment just how instantaneously all of those things are going through your mind. Like you, you're, you're consciously have to make these decisions and you have to make them in less than a blink of an eye. Uh, and and that's the thing to, too, you know, you hear Gordon tell the play and I mean, he couldn't even, <laughs> couldn't he even didn't know what was happening because it happened so quick. And, but that, that's what I always try to tell guys and especially like young players, you, you got to think of situations before they happen. And um, you know, so you can anticipate and, and try to react as best you can. But, you know, in that situation, like I said, knowing Gardner with his speed, I knew that, uh, you know, any base hit or anything, any little inch you give him, he can uh, he can definitely hurt you. He's still doing it. I, I, he's still I the guy. We see him in the playoffs. <laughs> Last year, he was the one guy I was most worried about. I, unbelievable career he's put together. Yes. Yes, he has. And you know what? He's also another side note. A little, We'll take a little detour here. A side note in your career. Uh, August 18th, 2011 against the Yankees. Do you remember how you spent that day at Target Field? I don't. I you, don't, but I'm sure I'll, I'll bring it back once I hear uh, <laughs> Gordo or well, we, we don't, play-by-play. We don't have the play-by-play on this one, but that was the day you started in right field. Oh, uh, yeah, remember there, remember was a, there was a missed <laughs> flight, and you caught three balls out there, two of them from Brett oh. Gardner and one from this Jeter guy. Uh, in yeah. your one your one career start in right field, I I don't remember. Someone missed a flight or it was something. We were shorthanded, right? Yeah, yeah. It was. Um, so you know that's back. You know, twenty five man roster and fifteen day DL. So you had to really be careful if you put a guy, you know, that's a little beat up on the DL. You don't have him for over two weeks. So 
I remember Gardy um, coming in and, and our team was banged up at the year or at that time of the year. And um, I think Gardy came in and Morty and I were in the training room, just getting ready, get our bodies ready. And he, you know, Gardy's a jokester and comes in and he said, all right, guys, one of you is at first and one of you is at right tonight. And we kind of looked at each other and we're like, what? He goes, <laughs> I wish I was joking, but that's, that's what we're dealing with right now. Uh, I, I can't remember who it was, but somebody missed their flight uh, from AAA coming up to uh to the big leagues and you know morning and i i think morning first said he goes i'll go out and write and i said no i go it's better to have one person out of position than two because <laughs> i had i wasn't playing first base a whole lot um you know at the time so i quick uh you know did my rest of my exercises got outside for batting practice early batting practice and trying to get as many balls off the bat as i could but um i remember the first uh, ball i got um it was a routine play. I mean, I mean, I moved maybe three or four steps and there was a runner on first. And I said, you know what, just to show the other team, the Yankees that I can do this, I'm going to come up fire in a second, you know, <laughs> to, to make sure that runner doesn't you know, do anything. And I think I crow hopped and just reared back and threw it as hard as I could in the second. And the left-handed hitting outfielder swings and drives one to deep right field. Backing off is Maurer. Maurer makes the catch. Here's the tag and the throw goes to second base. Holding Cervelli at second. Nunez scores, and the Yankees have a one nothing lead. You know, I think, uh, I can't remember what it was, but the guys were looking at me like, what's going on? But I was trying to send a message to the to the guys that, uh, you know, hey, don't try to take advantage of me out here. Did, did you have an outfielder's glove? Uh, no, I didn't. Um, I think I borrowed, um, I can't remember whose I borrowed, but, um, yeah, I uh, definitely not a glove I was familiar with, that's for sure. I can't believe you denied us the chance to see Morneau in right field roaming around out there. <laughs> you know what? I, I've seen him in right um, down in instructional league in one of my first couple of years, and you don't want to see that. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. And, um, he made a good move going to first base instead of uh, going to right field. <laughs> well, that was 11, but let's get back to the, the glorious season in 2009. We played the, the defensive play that will always stand out. My favorite Joe Mauer bat of all time occurred that year as well, and it happened in October against future Cy Young winner that year, Zach Greinke. And to me, this was as good as baseball gets, Joe. The, the game was important. Obviously, every game was important. You went to the 163 that year uh, at home, uh, the memorable game with the Tigers. Uh, Greinke was pitching as well as anybody on the planet. You were hitting as well as anybody on the planet. Uh, it was late in the ball game, uh, and, and here's how the bat wrapped up. Greinke. Sets and delivers. Swung on base hit right field. Puto touches home plate and the Twins lead one to nothing. A fastball in on the hands and Mauer turned on him. And it was one of those at bats where both of you at your at your peak, the place was full. I, I want to say you fouled off a th- three or four pitches from, from Greinke, who was throwing about 10 different pitches and really throwing hard back then, too. Uh, and, and then you, you poked that one into right field. Do you remember that bat as fondly as I do? Yeah, I do. Um, just like you said, I mean, at that time, um, Zach Greinke was, I mean, one of the one to Cy Young. But I tell everybody this because I get this question a lot. It's They ask me, who was the toughest pitcher you ever faced? And I said, you know, it varies year to year. But a 2009 Zach Greinke was probably the best that I've ever seen. Um, just his wow. ability, like you said, he threw a lot of different pitches at you, different looks, but, um, just those pitches that he threw just the stuff and how things would break and, and how he would, you know, approach an at bat. Um, 
which he was just amazing that year. And um, I remember, you know, like I said, I think it was the last week or two of the season, and you know, we ended up going to game 163. So it was it was a playoff atmosphere for the last month um, there and at home for us. And you know, he was playing for a lot too. He was he was trying to go for the Cy Young because I know other guys had good years that year. But I remember um, he was throwing the kitchen sink that day, and as you can see, runs were at a premium. You know, that was the first run of the game, and. Um, you know, it was uh, it was a bat that I'll I'll never forget. I think yeah, he tried to finish me off with a fastball up and in. Like you said, he was throwing a lot harder that time, and you know, his upper nineties, and I was able to get the bat, uh, you know, the barrel of the bat to the ball. So yeah, that was that was fun. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, the energy in the building just palpable, uh, just palpable on that day. And then it was just about a week later. Uh, you squatted behind the plate for all uh, all of the innings of that that, that famous 163. <laughs> yeah. We've talked with a lot of your old teammates about that one. Do you have any particular recollections or moments from that game where maybe you just took a pause and, and looked at someone on the dugout bench and said, wow, we're really a part of something special here? You know, yeah. I mean, you just – those type of games, I mean, it's – you leave everything on the field. And I just remember two really good teams just – you know, it's like a heavyweight match just going blow for blow. And, you know, um, it wasn't the most well-played game, but it was probably the most exciting, you know, it's back and forth, looked like they were going to take it, looked like we were. And it just, um, it was very entertaining. And, you know, I would kind of joke um, with guys too. I said, that's the reason why the wild cards, you know, here, you know, nowadays yeah. is because that one game and, you know, it was just so exciting. We had two really great wild card or um, playing games, back-to-back years in 2008 and 2009 that I think it a uh, light bulb went over there at MLB and decided, Hey, we should do this every year. But, um, you know, I just remember that game and just looking around. I remember Joe Nathan got out of uh, unbelievable jam and just his fist pump coming off the mound. And, you know, it's just something that uh, was nerve wracking at the time, but you know, that's, that's why you play the game is to have those feelings and, you know, it makes you, it makes you feel alive. And, um, like I said, it wasn't the most well-played game, but um, it was uh, it was a lot of fun. Were there conversations as that game went on, Joe, when when a, a Tiger would step into the batter's box? I mean, because you have that unique spot where you, the umpire, and the hitter are on that little island together, um, yeah. all caught up in the same wave. Yeah, you know, I, I got to know Brandon Inge really well over the years, and um, you know, he's about as good as guy as they come. You know, um, a, uh, I just remember him. Um, stepping in and he kind of looked at me with a little wink and he said this is fun isn't it and I said absolutely you know like later in the game and you know he he just um he was one of those guys that played the game the right way and played hard you really respected him as an opponent because uh, he was going to come at you with his best and um you know but he was also very complimentary of us after the game as well and and like I said I mean either team somebody had to lose a game and it's a shame that uh you know one of the teams did because they both played so hard yeah, and, and Brandon Inge, very classy after that, especially considering that in his mind he got hit by that pitch. Uh, <laughs> and you, yeah. you, you, well, you, and you, you see, it kind of tells you what kind of guy he is. You know, he, he played his case with the umpire, and you know, but he also understands that uh, you know umpires, as, as much as we are, we're human and uh, we make mistakes. And um, but uh, you know, and that it's unfortunate. But um, you know, he was also proud of the way his team played and. Um, you know, I'm sure, uh, you know, just as proud as I was of the way our team played, too. So, Joe, you want to come clean? Did it hit him? 
Well, if he said it did, it, it did. I mean, I, I couldn't tell. I couldn't really tell when it happened, you know, because it's so loud and you can't hear anything. But Brandon's a pretty stand-up guy, and if he said it hit him, I'm sure it probably grazed him. Well, it was quite a way to send the Metrodome out. And then obviously into Target Field in 2010, uh, and in June of that year, and what a special team that was in 2010, but in June of that year, uh, you made, uh, uh, I guess you'd call it a instruction manual for catchers in terms of how to deal with pop-ups behind home plate. Let's listen to this one. <laughs> Here's the two-strike delivery. Popped up. Looks like it might be playable for Maurer. Joe coming back. Still coming back, and he caught it. Oh, what a catch by Maurer. What a catch by Maurer. He reached around the screen. And caught the ball in the webbing of his catcher's men. It was an amazing play. It was the first year at Target Field. You stole a souvenir from someone in the Champions Club. And I can recall in 2018 talking with you about this in the dugout. And your young teammates that year, they couldn't believe it. Like You were trying to explain kind of what happened. And they did not buy it. I, I don't know yeah. if you ever had to show them the video. But they weren't, they weren't buying it at, at all. Yeah, it, it's funny. Um you know, it's talk about that with the, the young teammates eight years prior at, you know, they used to play this one thing at the Metrodome, my first, and um, they would show a clip of your first home run on the, on the jumbo jumbotron. And um, whenever mine would come up it was kind of, you know, hazy and, and all that stuff. So I'd, I'd yell to the guys and be like, Hey guys, that was before HD, you know, I hit my first <laughs> home run and, you know, we'd all laugh and look up there, but you know, <laughs> getting back to that play, um, you know, that was probably on the difficult scale, probably one of the most difficult plays that I've had. Um, just the fact that, uh, you know, the ball was coming back and in target field, those balls can kind of swirl around a little bit. But I couldn't tell which side the ball was going to land, if it was going to land in, in the seats or on, on the field. And I didn't want to overcommit to the seats because then if it lands in their territory, you kind of look, uh, you know, pretty dumb out there. But, um, you know, I just remember just trying to get to that that net and, and trying to make a decision whether which side it was going to go because that thing's only what 15 20 feet high and uh, the ball's coming down and um like I said I had to commit to it on the other side and was able to say it but uh, I'm just glad nobody was coming in through the um champions club uh you know through that hallway or sitting in those first couple seats or else I wouldn't <laughs> have had a chance <laughs> you've been fighting Scott O'Connell for that ball he would have been yeah, up there exactly. with one of his high roller clients <laughs> knocking it away well that was 2010 and obviously Justin gets hurt in July of 2010 prior to that was that as good a team as you played on uh while you were with the Minnesota Twins you know I think uh yeah it was definitely one of the best um you know we brought you know, just everywhere. I mean, we had JJ Hardy playing short, um, Orlando Hudson up the middle, Denard in center, Morneau, Kubel, Kadire. I mean, just our offense. I think it was probably the best offense that we had that we could yeah, that put Tome, up. That the Tommy guy wasn't bad. Um, maybe even 2006, but I'd say either the 2010 team or the 2016. Mm-hmm. And um, between those two, I actually might even give the edge to 2006 just because of the, the dominance between Santana and Liriano. Mm-hmm. Um, if Liriano didn't get hurt, I, uh, I would really like to see a team beat those guys, you know, three or four times. Yeah. Very good point. Very, very good point. Well, we move on from there. You rack up a few more all-star appearances. You, you win another batting title. Uh, the team kind of goes up and down and up and down. You battle all sorts of injuries yourself. 
you reemerge as an elite first baseman defensively, who I will still say completely robbed of your fourth gold glove uh, at first base. And you also start kind of checking off some milestone moments like this one in 2018. And the 2-2 pitch, a ground ball up the middle and into center field a hit. One run scores, two runs score. It's a two-run single on base hit number 2,000 for number seven. Joe Mowers, 2,000th hit, gives the Twins a 4-0 lead. Contractually obligated to get Provis a call in here, Joe, so that he doesn't feel <laughs> left out. Uh, it was your oh, second uh, hit of the second hit of the day. Both drove in runs, which to me is perfect because I feel like all the years working with you, watching you, that you played the game probably more so for your teammates than for anybody else. Yeah, you know, it, it, like you get back to that uh, that day, and I remember we were just about to leave for Puerto Rico. And um, that was our last game of the series with Chicago. And I knew going into the day that I was two hits away. And, you know, I, the reason I knew that is because my teammates in the media kept <laughs> telling me that, Hey, you better do it at home. You better do it at home. But, um, you know, like you said, I was just proud that I was able to, to drive a couple runs in and, and, um, you know, help the team win that night. But um, that was, that was my last at bat of the night. And if I wouldn't have gotten it there, um, could have been uh, a long road trip if uh, I had to wait till I get, get another hit when I got home. But um, I was glad to get it done um, in that moment in, in front of the hometown uh, fans, which, which was awesome. Yeah, and it turned into such a nightmare of a road trip because the games in Puerto Rico were amazing. You had that really long game that Lamar ends up winning, but then walked off <laughs> twice in Tampa, swept in New York, and it was kind of a rough road from there. And uh, nice to get that out of the way before uh, you hit the road. Obviously, 18, though. It was all the, is he coming back? Is he not coming back? And and we made Denard cry. I don't know if we can get any tears out of you, but let's listen to what is a day none of us will ever forget. And the 3-2 pitch, a swing to line drive, left center field, that's a base hit. That's towards the gap. Maurer's going to round. He's going to try for two. He slides. He's in with a double. A double for Joe. Joe Maurer is catching Joe Maurer is crying. Joe Maurer is the only baseball player on the field. Pretty, pretty good memory right there, huh? Yeah, that uh, that day was really special. And um, you know, waking up that morning, um, had no idea that that was going to happen. <laughs> you know, but uh, I'm so thankful and, and grateful that it did. Um, you know, it just uh, just every at bat, you know, going up there and, and just seeing. Um, you know, family and friends. And um, I'll tell you this, four of uh, my really good buddies from high school uh, went ahead and got tickets right above the visitor's dugout. And um, I didn't know that. But uh, <laughs> as soon as I was just about to step in for my first at bat, they're all standing there. And a couple of them had their sons there. So it was it was really special to, uh, to see them there and the support that I had that day. And, and not just that day, but the whole year, the whole career, my whole career. And um, like I said, to go out like that, uh, I mean, really couldn't have written it uh, any better. Well, and your girl started the day by running out to you at first base uh, before. Yeah, before which they, I that had was no teary idea enough. about too. Yeah, <laughs> you know, so it's there's so many little um, stories um, from that day that, um, like I said, I had I had a lot of help. I think from uh, from the, the man upstairs, um, you know, and kind of writing that script out. Um, but, uh, to start that off with the girls, um, you know, having them on the field and I was just trying to keep it all together and, 
I didn't know if it was going to be my last game or not. And um, but what a way, what a way to go out. And and to get back to the double, just the perfect last hit for you, as far as I'm concerned. I mean that that at bat had everything that made you the game's best hitter for over a decade, all kind of squished into one perfect perfect little package like you know what a home run's almost a little too too fairy tale we've already heard your flair for the dramatic but when i think of a joe mauer at bat i think of a double in the gap and you hustling in second base and uh sliding in and getting your uniform a little bit dirty and that was exactly what you got yeah that was uh that was fun you know like i said i think i worked it to a full count and you know to kind of have the crowd behind you and um i had uh, a couple good buddies uh, videotaping it and to see it from their perspective, you know, in the uh, in the seats, you know, and I've, I've probably got sent uh, maybe a half dozen from different <laughs> seats and just to hear the crowd and the chants. And, um, you know, it uh, like you said, it, it brings a, a tear to your eye, you know, a tear to my eye. And I'm so thankful to to experience that, uh, you know, with everyone, you know, at home. I, I love the fact that your buddy's got those tickets right above the dugout. I think that's just yeah. fantastic because that's yeah, it was, also it was a, cool. A theme of your career was that you man- managed to maintain the same group of friends from the time you were a teenager all the way through this amazing whirlwind professional career as a megastar. I can remember you racing out of the clubhouse one day, and I think it was uh, a Buxton or some one of the fat, Ben Revere, somebody had had a triple, and they timed it. And your high school buddies were with you, and you were all cramming into your car because you were going to go time them because one of them claimed they could run a similar time around the field, right? Uh, do you remember the story yeah. that oh, day? Oh, yeah. That was, that was great. So it was our, I think, our 15th uh, year anniversary of our state championship. And um, they had played a, a little in-between innings, a little snippet of Byron Buxton, um, you know, timed home to third. And <laughs> our first baseman at the time, uh, you know, back then, was like, oh, I can, you know, they, they were giving him a hard time that he couldn't do that and, like, double the time or something. And, so we had to go settle a bet after, after the game. But then we had our whole high school team on, our old high school baseball field. Um, you know, it, it was comedy. I, I think I have the video somewhere. I should put it out there. But uh, That is perfect, though. That great. is absolutely perfect. And here you are, big league superstar in your hometown. That's hard enough, enough pressure. But after a game, you're out timing your, your high school teammates at the yeah. old at the old diamond. That's the way it should just, be, right? Just for the record, he did it. But he uh, did it, was, it. It was double the time that Buxton could do it. In. So, <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you want to be proud of that, but um, he, he did end up doing it. So hey. we just wanted to see him run, though. That was the thing. That is a, <laughs> a thing of beauty. Kids playing a game. Kids playing a game. Right. Way, no matter how old you guys get. Well, Joe, it's been quite a little trip down memory lane. Um, and yeah. it's great to just hear your voice again and, and hear you looking back on uh, on some of the, the moments that made people all across Twins territory smile. And um, I know there's more more moments ahead uh, for the Twins uh, eventually this year. Are, are you missing baseball? Uh, not, you know, saying plain, but are, are you missing just the the everyday nature of of baseball in the summertime as much as as everybody else is, or are you too busy trying to take care of the rest of your big family? Oh, no, to, to worry no about? I'm, I'm missing it. I'm missing it along with everybody. Um, yeah, it's, it's been, uh, it's been a difficult, uh, difficult time for everyone. And, uh, you know, I can't wait to see the boys back out there playing. And, um, but yeah, you know, thank you for letting me come on today uh, and talk about some of those memories, you know, it's putting a smile on my face and <laughs> talking baseball right now and we can't watch it. Uh, you know, it's definitely a good thing and I uh, appreciate you guys having me on. 
Oh, well, we are delighted. You are welcome anytime. Uh, again, this is the Twins Clubhouse, and our thanks to Joe Maurer for joining us today. Brought to you by Securian Financial, who can help you make every moment count. Find out more about their insurance, investment, and retirement solutions at Securian.com. Joe, I think you probably have a kindergarten lesson to teach, so we will let you go. <laughs> uh, but it's been dynamite having you back on the Twins Clubhouse. Uh, appreciated conversation and the insight, as always, uh, and great to hear your voice. Thanks, Chris. I really appreciate it. That's the great Joe Maurer, and this has been the Twins Clubhouse, and we appreciate you joining us and invite you to come back again next week as we welcome the legendary Jim Cott through the clubhouse doors right here on your home, Twins Baseball. This has been a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network.